0: She's, she called me two-faced. The things they've said about me. Well, I told her who was going on.
1: Raz. All the scandal. This is my time. I'm gonna do it my way.
0: Can you believe they'd even say that Bear about me? Raz is
1: back. back. They said I was difficult. You are difficult. Gonna some things up. Give him
0: the old Hello, songbirds, it's me, Raz McDougal. I wanted to start today's episode by talking about fear. You know, my fans are always sending me letters asking me how to get over stage fright or the dread of an audition. That's all fear, you know. There's a lot to be afraid of, darlings. And I know that it can be overwhelming. But you know me, I always try to locate a silver lining. With fear comes an opportunity. Today, we're going to tap into the fear of our surroundings and learn how to channel those fears into our next audition. Fear, what is it and how can we use it? For some, fear is the feeling coursing through their veins during every audition. For others, fear is the thought of dying alone in a tool shed at the hands of a loved one. Wherever you are on the scale of fear, there are some simple ways to address the early signs, prevent an emotional spiral, and perhaps even channel that fear into something productive. Now, for me, it all starts with my morning routine. Songbirds, how do you start your morning? I like to begin with a nice long steam shower to clear my thoughts and open up my pores. I follow that with a concoction of lotions, paste, serums, and salves to keep my complexion a glare. I select a kimono and stumble into the kitchenette where I make myself a cup of mint tea. I do some vocal warm-ups and sing a song or three to see where my voice is sitting. You know this morning i I'd, I'd like to start with one of my favorites uh, chip. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Mr. Sennan, bring me a dream, give him a pair of eyes with the come ever clean, give him a lonely heart like Pagliacci, and lots of wavy hair like Liberace. Mr. Sennan, someone to hold would be so peachy before we're too old, so please turn on your magic beam, Mr. Sennan. bring me Please, please, why don't you turn on your magic beam? Mr. Sandman, bring me. Oh, please, 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 Mr. Sandman.
0: See, nothing too strenuous, just something light that has some range. What's that, Chip? Oh, uh, yeah, you you noticed the mess in the kitchenette. Yes, well, I woke up famished. As you can see, it can, it can be difficult to cook for one, darling. It, it can be difficult just being alone. Anyway, uh, the next thing I do is I have Chip check my messages from my songbirds first thing in the morning. You know, there's no better way to start the day than with a chirp from my fans all right, Chip, uh, why don't we check... Chip, Chip, why don't we check the dedicated Res hotline and, and email submissions right now? All right, Songbirds, this is also just a reminder. I want you to reach out. You know, I love connecting with you. And electronic mails can be sent to askrazzle at com. Or you can call our dedicated res hotline at 845-402-0048. Uh, Chip, did you... yet yeah, yes. Did you get the, Did we receive any? Any questions? Requests? Oh, good. All right. All right, let's see here. Dear Razzle, my name is Michael Jepson, and I've been a longtime fan and love the new podcast. That's great to hear, Michael. Thank you. Uh, it's my window into another world, a world where I'm not so alone. Don't ever stop, no matter what everyone else is saying about it. Alright, well, Michael, I just need to interject here. I I don't know what everyone's saying about it, you know, but I, I'm glad to hear everyone's listening. You know, that's that's wonderful to hear. And Michael, you can't believe everything you hear, read, or even see with your own eyes, darling, you know. Um All right, well back to the letter here. All right. Michael, um all right, I live I live in Cheddington, Maine, a small town with an even smaller theater community. I recently bombed an audition at the community theater for a role that I was perfect for. I'm afraid to put myself back out there. It's just too much. I was wondering, with your range and all of the roles you've played over the years, was there ever one that got away? A role that you were passed up for that you really wanted, that you thought you really deserved? Keep singing, Michael. Well, my dear, sweet, sweet Michael, I'd like to start by saying that I'm actually, I'm quite familiar with Chettington, Maine and its surrounding areas. Uh, Years ago, Herbie booked me to perform the big halftime show for the Stop, Drop, and Log Roll competition in Maine, and I was able to familiarize myself with its uh, more remote and grim towns. Uh, But I'm so happy that you chose my music as your beacon of cultural and artistic musings. That's Wonderful question, Michael. And I understand your fear of not wanting to audition again. You know, it's completely understandable. After rejection, after rejection, after rejection. You know, has there ever been a role that got away? Well, one that I really thought I deserved. Of course, darling, there's dozens of roles I was born to play that I didn't book. Unfortunately, that's just part of the biz, kid. But, uh, you know, there was... There was one that stands out, and it still stings to this day a bit. Um... In the early 70s, I I was working a lot of odd jobs to pay the bills. You know, I was struggling and young and dumb and beautiful and desperate. And I I did some things that I might not have been proud of, but I, I did what I needed to do to stay alive on the streets of New York City, you know. One evening, I'm I'm working a late shift at the donut hole on Avenue B when this man comes in. You know, he starts, he starts drilling me with all these questions. You know, what's my name? Where am I from? What do I do? How many jobs do I have? What jobs are they? And I thought, I'm either going to end up dead in this guy's trunk at the bottom of a lagoon somewhere, or this man saw something in me. He saw me. Well, I, I decided to open up to this man, you know, to share my story. He focused on my life in the city. You know the jobs I had to do to get by, to scrape by, using nature's credit card to pay the rent, to pay for groceries, well, to pay for everything really. Remember, songbirds, I was young and dumb and beautiful, and desperate. Well, I told him all of it. You know all the things I had to do. This man, he was—he was jotting everything down in a little notebook, every detail. Well, he introduced himself as Studs Turkle, and told me he was working on a book, you know, he, he wanted to include my story, or at least the parts that weren't complete filth. He slipped me a George Washington and I signed the dotted line. Well, a few years later I hear there's a project in the works, you know, it's a new musical called Working, based on a Studs Turkle book. Well, I thought this was it, you know, this was my opportunity. They were casting all the roles, but One stood out in particular. Call Girl. Well, I knew that role had to have been based on my stories with studs, you know. A watered-down version, yes. A, A very PG version, absolutely. But Michael, are you still with me, dear? I knew that that part was mine. You know, it belonged to me because I'm the one who lived it, you know. A much grittier, more terrifying version, but still... And trust me, I I made it known at the audition that I was the real-life call girl. You know, I told anyone who would listen, I'm the call girl, I'm the call girl. I gave that audition everything I had. I remember I performed, try to remember from the Fantastics, and um, I performed it through the lens of a prostitute, and it was very gripping, and I think I brought an intensity to it that uh, no one was expecting. After they yelled, next... I quickly, you know, explained my deep connection to Studsy and how I, I was actually the call girl in, in the book. Uh you know, the next thing I know I, I'm being played off and, you know, they're giving me the hook. Oh, I was devastated. You know, and I was also just heartbroken to lose the role to Patty Lapone, you know. Oh oh trust me, I know, I know, I know, she's a force. Uh you know, I have nothing but respect for the woman, you know. We've we've actually been considered for similar roles once or twice in the past, and I, no, I absolutely do not blame the replacement. You know, I I blame the creative team completely, you know. I think they had the wrong impression of me from the start, to be quite honest with you. And I, I haven't been able to talk to or audition for Stevie Schwartz since, and... Studs never gave me his contact info, sir. I, I know that rumors have circulated for years about some decades-long feud with Studs. Um, but I, I know deep in my heart that had Studs been at the audition, um, he better... I, I really hope he wasn't. I really hope he wasn't there. I didn't see him but I'm going to assume he was not because he would have stepped in and done the right thing. You know, in my career, it would have had another trajectory, which, you know, he was a lovely man. He was a lovely man. And, you know, an excellent tipper. Now, Michael, I hope this story shows you that you're really going to humiliate yourself out there. You know, you can't be afraid of that. You know, that fear can be immobilizing, and you just have to let it go. That's part of being an actor, darling. Letting it go. Let it go, let it go. But you get back up on that horse and you try again, and again, and again. And dear Michael, you're also. I just. I also want to be clear with you. You're not alone in feeling alone. I too have felt the pang of loneliness. But, but darling, there are some wonderful websites and apps on your phone to meet new friends and who knows potentially something more. As a matter of fact, Chip. Don't you think this would be a great segue into our new sponsor? Oh, good. All right, th- that's what I thought. All right, Chip, can you play me in? Whenever you're ready, Chip. Well... Darling, shouldn't this be queued up? No, you have to work at my pace when I'm on a roll like that, all right? Hello, songbirds. It's me, Rasmic McDougall. You know, the life of a star can be isolating at times. And it's not easy to be in a relationship with someone with this level of fame. It's no secret that my love life has been a tumultuous one. But it's not easy to find someone that can manage the highs and lows, this turbulent roller coaster of emotions that is this thing called my life, with dignity and grace, at least in the public eye. Well, I was beginning to lose hope. That's when my dear friend, Vivian Montgomery, told me to buck up and give online dating a try. Well, I know what you're thinking, songbirds, but I've tried them already. Fish in a barrel, slim pickings, last resort. But then I heard about Withered Grape, a dating service for the mature wine lover. Looking for someone who knows the difference between a prickly pinot and a crisp Chardonnay? At Withered Grape, they strive to make dating as approachable as some of your favorite wines. The secret... An aged approach with improved flavor. Looking for someone as beefy as a Cabernet Sauvignon? Or how about as someone as racy as your favorite Rioja? Like a fine wine, dating can be complex, full of unexpected undertones of a variety of flavors. Withered grape creates beautifully balanced blends that are sure to improve with age. But how does it all work? This is going way over my head. Well, Songbirds, I hear you, but not to worry. Withered Grape does all the work for you. You receive a What's My Blend quiz in the mail. That's right, the mail. On real paper. Well, who has time for all of the electronics, all of the gadgets and gizmers, all of the forgotten passwords, and embarrassing security questions to prove you are who you are? I'm me. The real question is, who are you? And how do I get back into my damn account? No. No. Withered Grape knows its connoisseurs. The quiz may seem like it's a fun and flirty game about your wine preferences, but trust me when I say that this is all part of the fermentation process, darlings. The quiz is sent off to the grape harvesters, who sort through the applicants to make sure that each grape is age-worthy. All of Withered Grape's berries have been aged for at least six decades. You won't find a tart grape in this bunch. Relationship vintners are then assigned to create perfect balanced pairings. No grape wants to be upstage. And that's when the real science kicks in. After a blend has been produced, you'll get a call on your landline asking for your availability to meet at a local winery. Or dive bar, depending on your exact location. And that's it. You show up and you meet your perfect blend. Withered Grape believes in their process so much that they've given me a free pairing. That's right, songbirds. I took the quiz myself. In good news, I've already gotten a call informing me that they've created the perfect blend. Apparently, he's herbaceous, yet brawny, with a spicy finish. Well, I have my date with him this week. Songbirds, I'll report back to you next episode with the results. And if you're looking for love, and you love wine, Withered Grape could be for you. Withered Grape, a late harvest, always produces a sweeter wine. Oh, isn't that exciting, Chip? Oh, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but I feel really good about this one. I know I shouldn't put all my eggs in one basket, but I can't help myself. I've always been a lover of love. Have you received a call from Withered Grape yet with the the meeting time and location? All right, well, let me know as soon as you hear anything, you know. Oh, I've never been good on my own. Every flower needs a gardener. When I'm alone, my mind starts to drift, and I start to remember... Chip! Oh, that startled me! Please see who's at the door, dear Jesus. Oh, my... What is that? How mysterious. Chip, can you tell me what it is? Is there a card? Oh, it's quite a large black box. Chip, yes, yes, can you please retrieve my scissors from the credenza? The credenza. Yes, yes, that table over there. All right, let's see. Ah, the card. There it is. There is a card. All right. From a long-time admirer. There's no name, Chip. How cryptic. That's all it says. Well, let's open it up now. Clematis. A bouquet of climbing purple clematis. What what a lovely gift. Chip, please give these a fresh cut and put them in water right away. These wilt very quickly, darling. I know from personal experience. Clematis has always been one of my favorite flowers, but not many people know that. I was always surrounded by it as a child... Most of you know that I was found as an infant at the doorstep of Our Lady of Eternal Flame, a convent located in Dry Husk, Indiana. A nun by the name of Sister Mary Huffstetter found me in a mahogany chest with a tattered blanket and an assortment of locally sourced meats and cheeses. Sister Mary made it her mission to bring me into the fold, you know, to to raise me as her own. I was there for sixteen years, and I was always getting into trouble. It was never the right fit. I always felt caged, like an animal. I knew that there was something bigger, something better for me, outside of the nunnery walls. Those walls that were covered in purple clematis. The nuns meant well, and and they did raise me, and they kept me fed. I, I think they always thought I'd stay forever, becoming one of them. But secretly, I had developed a romance with a young man named Biff Blankenbecker... Well, Biff was the son of a handyman who used to service Our Lady of Eternal Flame. With it being such an old building, there was always work to be done. Biff was a year older than I was. He would always catch my eye as he was clearing gutters or mowing the grass around the convent. One day, he passed me a note telling me to meet him in the cemetery located on the side of the property. We started meeting there regularly. We would talk about our dreams, our life. Our love for each other. We met in that cemetery for months before we finally hatched a plan to escape those clematis covered walls. He stole his father's truck one night and drove over to our normal meeting place. He used a flashlight to signal me over from the convent. I didn't have much to pack, just a few personal belongings and the mahogany chest that I arrived in at the convent. The same mahogany chest that I use to this day as my costume chest. "'We blew out of town and never thought about looking back. "'I did leave a note for Sister Mary Hofstadter, there. "'She was always so kind to me, "'always treated me like I was her own. Biff and I travelled on those dusty roads "'toward our new life in Hollywood. "'It had always been my dream to be a star. "'My voice went unappreciated at the convent. "'The nuns would always remind me time and time again "'of our vow of silence.' But I had something in me that needed to be heard. Biff, on the other hand, well, he didn't dream much. He always thought small while I was looking at the big picture. I knew where we were going and I knew how we were gonna get there. I had the dream, Biff had the escape vehicle. Those first few months in Hollywood were the hardest. Biff did odd jobs around town, falling back on his handyman skill set. You know, painting homes and repairing furniture, mowing lawns. I was focused on being noticed, you know. Every day I went to the MGM lots hoping to be seen. One day, I overheard a woman say that craft services had an opening and they needed someone immediately. Well, They were looking for someone uh, to clear the trash off sets and to hand out toothpicks to the actors after lunch. Um, you know, well, I don't know what came over me, but I just called out to the woman and and I told her how much experience I had with trash and toothpicks. And you know what she did? She laughed. She smiled at me and saw something. Well, after a brief pause, she said, All right, kid, you're in. Well, I couldn't believe it. I somehow managed a job on the MGM lot. You know, here I was, a big step closer to my dream. But it didn't pay much, and... Biff and I were arguing more and more. He was unhappy because I was working all the time, and he didn't know anyone. He couldn't handle it. and I could tell he loved me, but we barely knew each other. All those nights in the cemetery, those were make-believe. This was real life. He wanted me to quit the job, to go back on the road. I told him that he was talking crazy. I'd worked too hard, gotten too close to call it quits now. I was here for good. Well, the next morning, Biff was gone. He left a note saying tumbleweeds needed to tumble, and that he'd always love me. Well, I never heard from him again, you know. I haven't thought about him in decades. Look at that, a little unexpected waltz down memory lane. Oh. All right, Chip, do you, do you have any more requests or questions for my songbirds? Oh, wonderful. All right, let's see here. All right. Bernadette Lawson writes us from Welthington, Connecticut. Dear Reyes, I'm feeling isolated and I'm having trouble keeping myself busy. I feel like I'm going a bit stir-crazy. Do you have any advice on creative ways to pass the time? Long-time fan, Bernadette. Well, my dear Bernadette, isolation can be a celebration. A celebration of oneself. You know, let's start by making yourself some tea so that you can sit down with your thoughts. You know, take out a pad of paper, make a list of things you'd like to get accomplished for the day. That always helps me put things in order. Start with an easy win, something requiring very little exertion. Perhaps it's reorganizing the pantry, or even finishing that puzzle that's been scattered on your dining table for weeks. I believe that a streamlined living space will make you feel more accomplished and more productive. That may mean going through your belongings to decide what to keep and what to donate. You know, there's a wonderful organizational book by a Chadwick Bosif called What's It All For? Severing Your Emotions from Your Belongings and Loved Ones. Um, I found it to be particularly enlightening. You know, Chadwick has a, a very utilitarian approach to personal objects and relationships. M- mostly that they're dead weight. Um, you, have to, you have to be a bit selective when it comes to his advice. Otherwise, you might end up alone in some bunker somewhere. Um, you know, Chadwick analyzes each, each object and relationship by asking himself one question. Could this be a burden? I'll agree. It's, it's a bit cutthroat, and he is a bit of a lone wolf, but I was able to clear out some of my deadwood. I know that. Seven large shopping bags, as a matter of fact. What's that, Chip? Oh, well, yes. Yes, there's still work to be done. Yes. Well, I haven't gotten... Uh, yes, I haven't gotten to, uh, to your work area yet. I haven't been there. Yes, it is a bit crowded over there. Well, you could also... You could tidy up a bit yourself, darling. No, 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 no. Those boxes can't be moved. Nope, those are my playbills uh, and a few stolen props from select sets. Yes, yes, as long as you can... Can you still see me over that pile? No, uh, Yes, we need to have a clear sight line, dear. Yes. Well, Bernadette, I hope that this was helpful. You know, Sister Mary Hofstetter always told me that idle hands are the devil's playthings. My advice is keep yourself busy. If you're a singer, perhaps this is a great opportunity to go over your audition repertoire. It's always a good idea to keep your songs fresh. You know, I go over my set list almost daily. You know, I look for opportunities to improve. Best of luck, Bernadette. Keep singing, my little songbird. Chip, how many more do we have? Oh, oh, all right, just one. Well, you know, that's good because we're almost out of time anyway. All right, let's see here. Willow Peterson from Sitka, Alaska, ooh, cold, writes us. Dearest, I've been a songbird for years, and I wanted to let you know that I listen to your old recordings on repeat to get through some very difficult times. I especially love your jazz standards; they transport me to another time and place. If you had to pick, what's your favorite standard to sing? Oh, well, hello, Willow Peterson from snow-capped Sitka, Alaska. Darling, thank you so much for your question. I hope you're bundled up over there, my little Alaskanian. I'm so glad that some of those old recordings still exist. You know, I've always had a connection to the standards. You know, anything from the great American songbook, you know, that's the power of music right there. You know, the power to transport to another place, another time. The power to bring memories you thought that were forever gone to the forefront of your mind. The power to convey what mere words cannot My sweet, sweet baby willow, you're asking me to choose just one? How cruel! Well, how about this? Instead of me telling you what my favorite standard is, why don't I sing it? I can't tell you everything, but I can tell you that I've had to perform this song to prove my loyalty in a number of very intense situations. Well, look at the time! It was such a pleasure to have a little chat with you, my songbirds. You know how much I love connecting with you. I hope you enjoy the song we're going to end with today. It's very close to my heart. Keep singing, songbirds. Keep
1: singing! How much do I love you? I'll tell you no lie. Oh. take the rap. For God's sake, I'll take the bullet. I thought it was going to be different. I thought... I thought... I thought you knew. Ew